Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of breaking the hiatus of what I did. I committed the cardinal sin. I said I was going to take the summer off. I didn't actually say that to anyone but myself. I took the summer off, kind of ran into the fall. I've been sitting on these two fine gentlemen's podcast episodes. The first one, if you just heard it, was episode, gosh, I think it was like 64 with Connor Graham. I think we are now on to 65 with Justin Rabinowitz, Dr. Rabinowitz. He was uh, one of the earlier guests on the Three Things podcast. He joined me for round two. We actually had coffee together on Sunday morning. It was quite lovely. Justin is one of the best thinkers and best brains, I think, in the in the fitness rehab professional industry. Um, you'll even hear me say that in this episode where, man, like he gets on these answers and they're so intelligent and so well thought of and he's so well spoken. They're really great. Um, I don't want to take too much away from it, but please enjoy this episode with our good friend. I'm going to put that in there for everyone listening to this. Our good friend, Dr. Justin Rabinowitz. Hey guys, this is Dr. Justin Rabinowitz. I'm a chiropractor. I run a sports medicine-based practice in New Jersey. Um, I've been on the pod before. This is round two. Uh, since the last time, some cool stuff's happened for us. We've grown our practice. We've added another doctor. We've added a, another full-time employee. So we've gone from basically one full-time to three full-time in, in the matter of basically two weeks. Um, and I'm ready to ready to get going with you, Case. That's awesome. Um, that's cool. You've been up to a lot. I mean, last time we spoke, you were like, "Yeah, I'm New York Times bestselling author. I've got a book coming out." Like it was like this big shot. Like I was like, "Whoa, this is just Dr. Rubinowitz. This is pretty crazy." Um, now it's like, yeah, I've like four x my business. Like it's like, I mean, I'm waiting for the Facebook ad to come and tell me how I can nine x my business in four hours um, from the Rubinowitz method. So. No big deal. I, uh, no I don't know. I don't know if that was gonna that'll happen. And I'm not a New York Times bestseller. I don't want any hate mail of uh, what's going on. No, I think the last time we were about to, we did publish the book, and this time, you know, we are hiring some new people. So you seem to catch me at a at a good time. I didn't mention though. You're actually right. I am doing some consulting now. I have two clients that no one really knows. I'm not promoting it at all, but I do have two consulting clients that are trying to start a practice similar similar to what we're doing down, down here. So it is, it, it is kind of cool with that as well. Nice. You get it from all, all different aspects. That's legit. I'm trying to, it's, um, it's interesting. Cause I know I actually, if you want to dive into it a little bit, I actually think my, my unique ability probably is in the coaching realm. And, you know, people ask me well, how I got into being a chiropractor and I was telling them I was either going to be a teacher and a coach, or I was going to do, do what I do now. But the coaching aspect has always been something that kind of came naturally to me. But, um, you know, I even explored before going back into it, if I was going to take the college coaching route, which just dedicate my life to just working my way up the ranks. And, and I, I didn't want that lifestyle. But I think the coaching thing for me is, is a very natural um, progression. And, you know, one of my best friends always tells me, he's like, I think eventually you'll have that coaching and consulting type thing that'll be bigger than any of your brick and mortar practices. So it is something that it comes natural, but what I have to be careful of right now is, 
not letting it, it's not the main focus. And because I like doing it, it can very easily take my time away from the thing, which is still building the brick and mortar business. And I'm, and I'm conscious of that, of not make, making sure it's not like a, a time suck for me right now. Yeah. And that's actually like the first thing I've got written down here. I wanted to ask you and, and it is about choices. That's like a total whiteboard, whiteboard whim line. It's about choices. Maybe tomorrow, uh, maybe. Uh, is like choosing not, and maybe it's how you kind of came. You just talked about a little bit how you came across uh, chiropractic, but uh, like I work with a lot of young high school athletes, college athletes, and they, they're like, Oh, I want to go into sports medicine or oh, I want to go be a physical therapist or, Oh, I want to go do blank. And it's always in some type of like rehabilitative profession. Um, like what would you tell someone who's choosing between a doctor of chiropractic, doctor of physical therapy, even if it's like a massage therapist, um, like what would you like qualify or what would you ask them to qualify? Which realm is probably a good fit for them? I was listening to, there's a new, it's a second edition of a book by Ramit Sethi, which is called, I will teach you to be rich. He was just on Tim Ferriss's podcast and I, I like his book. I like his personal finance stuff, but he's very like intelligent. And one of the things he talks about is, you know, basically in invisible scripts and one of the things I think we all have to consider, I'm um, taking it away, but I'll bring it back, is why we want to do what we're doing to your question and what individual scripts are we telling ourselves. So at this point, if someone was asking me about any of those questions, I would bring it back to why they want to do it and how they arrived at that conclusion. Because I think, you know, a lot of us, and I, I was guilty of it too, maybe you as well, like, we're not actually sure what got us into it or who told us what or what we thought, you know, and that, there are some people that want to be a doctor of physical therapy or a doctor of chiropractic or don't because of something that they were brought up with that their parents told them they should be in healthcare. You know, how many people get into healthcare? It's like, why'd you get in? Oh, my parents said healthcare is always a good field. Um, how many people would be, uh, you know, would be a strength coach or maybe would have been a great strength coach that didn't get into it because they didn't, their parents told them or someone said, Oh, you can't just be a trainer for your career. You know? So I would go back to thinking, I would go back to really talking to them and seeing what the heck they want out of it and why they're doing it and try to get them more aware and conscious of the decision as to how they got, how they arrived there, as opposed to, you know, what things they heard from other people to get them there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I just, that was like the first thing I had to listen to you talk about how you were like, yeah, maybe chiropractic or being a coach or whatever it might be. How did you kind of, what was the ultimate push for you to decide to go into chiropractic? Um, I always knew that I was either going to be a teacher and a coach or probably do something in healthcare. And, you know, I think just growing up, I had been to different chiropractors and, um, and then again, the reason why I went in, if I look back is not, now I know it's not true, but I always, I think I always saw the chiropractor as the guy who was kind of the entrepreneur that had his own business that had a medical practice, but it wasn't like the white coat thing. And, um, you know, it was a fun atmosphere, but they were still helping people. And, and I always got immediate relief when I, when I went to see the chiropractor, whereas my experiences in physical therapy growing up, I just didn't have great experiences with it. And that, and now, as I know now, like I have tons of friends that do physical therapy and they're awesome and they do exactly what I do. So it was kind of a false sense of it, but it just pushed me into one versus the other. Now, what I'll find interesting is I'll get, uh, and I think it's going to happen more now that I'm, you know, kind of 
getting my name out there a little more, but I have a lot of people shadow me and ask questions. Um, and I'll get a lot of people come in and say, oh, I was thinking about going to chiropractic school. What do you think? And I had a few already who, what was their story is that they applied for physical therapy school and didn't get it. Physical therapy school. Now I, I, I don't know what's going on there. If they're like, uh, if they're selling drugs there or giving them away for free, but that place is impossible. To, physical therapy is impossible to get into. I had a kid, a guy, not a kid, take him, I think six years to get into PT school. I mean, and so I always make sure I ask them and I'm like, listen, like you don't have to answer if you don't want, but is the reason why you're trying to get into chiropractic school because you didn't get into physical therapy school. And I had a girl actually who um, I asked that question to, and that was, that was the reason why. And I never heard from her again. I'm not sure what she chose, but I know a really bad reason to go to chiropractic school and take on, you know, take three to four years of your life and possibly take on a ton of debt. A reason to get into it is not just because you didn't get into the other school, because that's a, a very poor way to make a decision. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that that's a thing. The thing I'll say in chiropractic is, which I hope eventually they change. It's very easy to get into. It's harder to stay into school, right? The schooling is still challenging. It was very hard for me. Um, getting into it, they kind of let a lot of different people in there and, and you have to figure it out once you're there. Um, and I do believe the people coming out are qualified, but getting in, it's an easier barrier to entry than possibly like a PT track. So Interesting. I know that there, we have a lot of a lot of athletes. Now, the reason I really ask is that we have a lot of athletes that I work with. It's very similar to your story where they've seen a chiropractor and they're, they really believe in that individual and the work that they've done. And they're like, Oh, this would be really cool because like I get to work with athletes. I get to work with, with people and help them and make them feel better and stuff like that. And, and I'll ask them and say like, Oh, well, why, why that instead of this? And, and it is always a story, which is a, an awesome reason why, but um, being so close to University of Vermont, where it's, it's a big physical therapy practice, I feel like sometimes it, it is the flip side of like, well, I'm not smart enough to go into PT school, so I'm going to be sure. Even at times people say that about like personal training. They're like, well, I was going to be a, a biomedical engineer, and then I just figured I'd be a personal trainer. because Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, from a, from a more tactical answer, um, I think chiropractors in general, which I'm hopefully trying to change, it's a much more entrepreneurial endeavor where for the most part at this point, like in order to have success, you kind of have to open your own practice. So you have to, you have to have be entrepreneurial. Now I, I want to change that because I know there's a lot of good docs out there, a lot of real good docs that, you know, may be successful or might not be successful simply because like they don't want to run a full business themselves, but they, have to because that's the only way you can really make it um whereas and and the other thing as a chiropractor in general it's very musculoskeletal driven like the 90 some percent you're treating back neck and knee and shoulder pain like muscle and joint problems where as a pt you can graduate pt school um and you can get into neuro you can get into geriatrics you might be able to get into peed there's hospital settings there's um home health we don't have those opportunities as chiropractors, so it's much more narrow, I think, in what you can do. And the same thing for OT. My wife just graduated OT school, and I mean, the jobs are so there's there's pediatric gyms for kids, neurosensory gyms. There's geriatric care. There's post-stroke. There's home health. So I think OT and PT definitely give you a, a wider variety of things you can do, and and more. I think flexibility in, in how you can do it, like. You know, I know my wife's applying. There's a ton of 
hourly work, per diem work, part-time work. Whereas for us, there's some coverage work, but you kind of, if you do it, you kind of do it for the most part. You're in private practice. Yeah. Well, my next question for you, and maybe it's a hindsight question. They're kind of my favorite questions. So you can definitely speak to your past experience. Um, but even now, like, as you said, you're like, you're doing some consulting work. And, and I think like, I view like when you hire a consultant or you look for a consultant, you're trying to almost join like a networking group, or you're trying to basically bring someone into your life, your experience, your profession that is going to offer insight to a very specific area. Um, what, and I know that you're in a part of a couple of groups as well. I know in the strength action Q and a last semester, you were talking about you're in like a, a couple different mentor groups or networking groups, business groups, whatever you want to phrase them as. What are some steps that you've taken or someone should take to qualify these groups to make sure they are a right fit instead of just saying, um, well, I'm going to join this because I know that it's good for me, or I'm going to join this because I got sold on an ad or whatever it is, but how do you really qualify the person to be the right fit for what you need? I think that's a, it's a great question. Um, if we take a step back from it and look at it in the, in the idea that, you know, we are looking for a mentorship or consulting group, first of all, understand your place in this. If you're looking for it, you're, you know, you're being marketed and sold to, which is good. Like I think it's a good thing, but consciously aware of it. And for me, just learning about this. So when people are consulting or are marketing to you, you talk about, you know, how you kind of pick this out, realize that in the beginning that what the way that people do marketing is they're going to sell you on stepping away from fear, right? They're not going to tell you how good your life is going to be to market to you. They're going to tell you, Hey, are you a, a personal trainer that doesn't want to see 12 clients per day, 60 clients per week that's grinding. And here's our, here's the plan to get you out of it. They're pushing you away from fear. Now, I think that when they actually get you in the group and try to sell to you, that's when they want to start bringing you towards what you want to be doing, right? So they're moving you away from fear. And then when you're in it, they're going to start helping you and move you towards what you don't want to get into is a group where they're always going to be selling you on fear. If that makes sense. And like so, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, you're going to be stuck wherever. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I, In that sense. And, but I think understanding how people do what, well, how people are motivated. And I just learned this like a couple months ago and it was really interesting. You know, marketing is about moving people from fear and sales is moving people towards pleasure. And, and again, just putting terms around it, I think is important because, you know, you can get caught up in always being scared that what you're doing is the wrong thing or that you always need to join the next thing because they're scaring you that you don't want to be where you always were. Gotcha. And so I think that, um, always being able to take a step back. And I, and I see this all the time when you're in a good consulting group, um, they're probably going to kill me for saying this, but I think any group, whether you want to talk political, religious, you know, any group that you're in, there's always a sense of done the wrong way. It can almost become cultish where everyone's just kind of doesn't even think anymore. And like, if you know, my whiteboard whims, my biggest thing in life is like, I kind of don't care what you do as long as you have thought behind it. Like you just have to be able to think about it. Right. And I see it all the time. Like I see a lot of times in people that join masterminds, you talk to three, four, five different members and they all kind of start having the same personal narratives and scripts that they're all getting. They're not thinking for themselves at that point. What we, what I, I think is huge. And I always try to do for myself is, 
is really observe and watch what's going on and make sure I always take a step back. So I'm almost looking at it from an outsider's perspective so that I take the stuff that's really good, but I'm not just going to start to think because they, everyone else is saying what they should be saying. Like, I think that that's a huge thing because you can get really wrapped up in this stuff. We all want to be part of a community. We all always want to be part of a group, whether we're a member of a CrossFit gym or we're a member of a Jesus huge. And the same goes if we're being in a consultant consulting or a mentorship group, like it should be a positive experience. That is a thoughtful one and not one where we just kind of give our money and, and thoughtlessly, you know, do everything that everyone says and, and start repeating the lines and we're all kind of just saying the same stuff. You know, the best groups are the ones that still have people in that that have different thoughts, that have thoughts that are unique, that might push back a little bit and say, mm, yeah, I see that we're all going this direction, but what if we did it this way? What if we said this? That's where the groups are going to, you know, go really well. And I would say that the best groups, and I, and I know with Strength Action, that's what it is because I know Todd and Chris are they're super thoughtful people and they kind of push back against that stuff. Um, that's the type of group that you're looking for. But like I said, you can get in these, in some of these groups that it does become a little bit, I, I hate to use the word, but cult ish. Sure. Everyone's just kind of using party lines and saying the same thing. And it's like, I've seen it before in other mentorship groups where I'm trying, I don't even, I can't even think of an example, but where, like you would ask like a question and like five and they'd all just kind of say the same thing. It's like, dude, like, come on, don't, don't you think anything a little bit different? Like, Holy crap, this is crazy. So um, that's a long winded answer to always have thought around it. What you're looking for. Are you still meeting your goals? Um, and it's not to be a naysayer because I don't believe in that and just saying everything sucks, but just to always have some thought around is this, am I still able to get accomplish the goals that I'm looking for? Um, do I, can I, is it teaching me how to think better? I think that that's another, that's another point too, uh, case. I think that, um, at the end of the day, the biggest skill that we can always, that we can always transfer to whatever we're doing is to learn how to think better and think differently. And if you think about a mentorship group, you know, you have two things. They can kind of talk about tactics and they can talk about strategy. Tactics is very easy. Like, Hey, like, you know, you, let's say we had a call right now and you're, you're a client and you're asking me, how do I get new clients? And I said, well, you got to go to this event and this event and this event, and here's what you bring and here's what you do. That's very tactical. That's very tactical. And, and what I've learned in these groups is the more that we can stay higher level strategy, like, all right, what's the goal? Well, I want to develop relationships with people. All right. So then like, we'll talk about tactics later, but let's have a higher level strategy and then we can break it down from there. I think in, in these groups, if you're just looking for like five easy ways to get 30 clients, like that's a very low level, low thought process group. Once you start talking about the strategy and the psychology behind what you're actually trying to do in that setting, that's when you're going to get results. And truthfully, that's something that we've translated into our meetings as a staff. And I, and I'm guilty of it too. Um, here's your objectives for the week, make 25 calls, do this, do that. It's very tactical. It's very low level. It's, it's almost, it's very easy to do, but I always want to talk about, all right, well, what's the higher level strategy here? That was a really good answer. Uh, if anyone's listened to the first Justin Rubinowitz podcast, Justin gave it an answer and I literally just sat here on the screen and stared at him and was like, well, that was really good. And on to the next one. Um, yeah. No, but I agree. And I think that sometimes like when, when, and I'm guilty of this, 
um, I was actually guilty of this when I joined strength action. I was like 26, maybe 26. And I was in a really shitty part of my career and I met Chris and Todd and like everything they said was almost like gospel. And right. I was like, well, Chris and Todd say to do this. So I'm going to do this. And Chris and Todd say, and her strength action suggests this. So I'm going to do this. And I think that works until it doesn't because sure. like, and, and obviously like if people listen to the podcast, Chris and Todd have both been on this. Like it gets to a point where like you can be tactical until like a good mentorship group then, or a good mentor will look at you and say, now what? And like, they just kind of stop giving you tactics and they make you kind of think for your own strategies, like you're saying, and recognizing that what they do in a business might not be right for this business over here or that that sub little group you're trying to work with. Like if I work with kids and like, well, no, we market to adults. Like it's going to be a little different. You know, like this tactic isn't going to carry over as well. But if you just think everything is going to be gospel and you just do that, and then all of a sudden you're pissed. It's like, no, well, that's not really what it is. So um, my, my mentor who I mentioned in the past, Paul Goff, we have a Facebook community and, you know, talk about like, I think it's a good conditioning thing, but what he's conditioned the members we always know when a new member has joined based on the questions that they ask. Right. So like in our group, um, we'll get questions like, Hey, what should I title my new free ebook? Um, you know, what, what service do you use for credit card processing? Very tactical based questions. And we always know that that's a newer member in our group when that's the questions that they're asking. Um, because he's kind of trained us, which I think, you know, again, looking at it from the outside in a good way to like, listen, like that stuff, we know we need it, but you know, you're the value of you paying to be in a group like this or to have this is let's talk about the higher level strategy behind it. You know, I can give you a tangible example, even in our own business, um, I'm going away in about a week. And so my team now is going to go do an event at a country club. And so, you know, the first thing I said, I wanted to see where they would take it. And like, mostly those guys, right, guys, you tell me what, what, what you want to do, what's going on. And they're like, all right, we got to get the tent and we're going to do stretching and we're going to do this. And we're going to bring the re-report and, and then did you get the tablecloth for the table and blah, 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 where are we going to be set up? I'm like, guys, like, let's talk about what the goal is here first. Are we going to just get a list of names? Are we going to have four to five meaningful conversations with people that might potentially be patients? Do we want to, do we want to just, do we want to possibly book two to three patients on site? Like what's the overall goal? What are we going there to achieve? All that other stuff we'll figure out. But if we, if we know what the goal is to get there first at a high, at a higher level, then we can figure out what we have to do to get there. It's a really good example. And those that oh. me are listening to this podcast and kind of confused with tactics versus strategies. I think that right there just basically clearly defined the difference between two. I think, you know, the, um, I first heard it and kind of didn't get it before. Um, but Gary V has talked about it in the past and, you know, I know people like bash on him, but I still, still think he's got some great stuff. I think he talks about it as like clouds and dirt or like tactics versus religion. Hmm. You know, he had something the other day, he was talking about parenting and, um, he was saying tactics versus religion. He's like, you know, some of my friends that are really wealthy and they don't want their kids to grow up as assholes basically. And he's like, so like the parents will sit in, uh, parents will sit in first class. The kids will sit in coach. He's like, that's a tactic. You know, like they won't give their kids, they'll make their kids go to Africa for a week to, you know, work with people or whatever. He's like, that's a tactic. He's like, but for me, the religion I hope is to make my kids be nice people. To like at a higher level that's the religion of it all 
he's like, you know, making them sit and coach or going to like a charter school in New York city to see what the other, that's a tactic to get you there. But what's the overall strategy? What's the religion on it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Gary V something. I don't know. I used to be like a Gary V purist and kind of fucked me over. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for sure. It's always like, but again, going back and thinking, I think back to our original conversation, right? Is like everything isn't gospel. There's stuff there that you take and you don't take. And, you know, if, if for me, if 30, 40, sometimes I just listen to him. But again, what's the reason, right? Like, even though I'm not listening to what he's saying, I think he's a very good speaker and people are captivated by him. So rather than almost listening to what he's saying sometimes, sometimes I'm listening to how he's interacting. I don't care what he's saying, but people generally, when he's in front of them, are listening to what he's saying. And he demands attention, good or bad there's something to be said for that. And so almost like at a higher level, looking at just how he interacts with people, you know, what he says, like how he gets on, you know, different people's level and different things like that. That's what I'm observing. You're a smart man, Justin Rabinowitz. You're a smart man. My wife doesn't say that all the time. You know, no, it wasn't my, I almost got my wife to come up here for the speed round. Um, she was pretty excited. The podcast this morning was with you here. She's a big fan <laughs> of the Dr. Rabinowitz that one time in Philly. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I'll repeat it. If for those who aren't going to listen or haven't to the first, uh, I didn't know who, I never met you before. Right. That, that day. That was, yeah. I, I think I'd met you. seen you on like a Q and a on sure we were in strength action, but I don't think we'd ever met face to face or interacted like outside yeah. of a chat room. We were at this seminar in Philly and, and there was this, this lady, girl, whatever, sitting in the back, like minding her for two days, like and just doing her thing. And I was like, who is this? What is she doing here? Why is she just sitting? And it was your wife. What a saint, like coming to a seminar with you and literally just sitting in the back, like whatever. I'm like, wow, that is, that's no knitting. joke. Like, yeah, knit it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, uh, I mean, that's insane. My wife would be like, so like, listen, like you do, she's like, it's great for me. She's like, you do your thing, but like, I'm going to go do my thing. Like, all right, cool. Like whatever. But for her to come with you and stay there, like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. The, the backstory is my brother-in-law and his, at the time, girlfriend, she was a, a student at UPenn. We were supposed to be hanging out with her, but they had a falling out the week before. So we were left high and dry without a little, uh, little uh i'll say it's like a tour guide of philadelphia now it's also like the philadelphia marathon that weekend like that was wild i don't know if you remember that like we were like playing frogger to get up to to northern liberties or warhorse oh, really i didn't even yeah. know that i kind of guess i must have must have gone around it it was wild either way the doc i've got a second or the third thing here yeah. and and correct me where i'm wrong on this i was trying to piece this together this question um yeah. So having multiple, you have multiple locations of your practice. Yes. One is inside of a gym and one is kind of like a standalone type Correct. facility. Okay. Um, what changes between those two settings? Meaning if you're in the gym, what changes as opposed to being in the other facility? Or if you're in like more of the private facility that's away from the gym, it, you know, outside of like the people who may be coming there because one's on a gym floor, one is not, um, like what changes for you? Is it your tone? Is it your, I mean, clearly like your approach to treatment probably doesn't change, but 
what does? Um, and the reason I get to this is it's not uncommon for someone like a personal trainer um, or like in your case, like a, a, you know, a rehab practitioner, a doctor, a chiropractic, where you're in like an athletic setting and then you're kind of away from that and you're kind of in a setting that you kind of create what the environment is like. But for a personal trainer who might be like if I'm on a college campus and I'm training a 35 lacrosse guys or if I am on a general population floor um, in like a commercial gym, like the changes for me are going to be kind of how I present myself um, or even like how I go about having conversations. One is going to be like more like fact finding. One is going to be more like facilitating a conversation versus on a college floor. Like it's almost like you're telling people what to do because there's 35, like the, 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 the goal is different. Um, and I'm wondering from your perspective as a service provider, what, what changes? I think to your point, the client interaction is actually for us, it's, it's still one-on-one. -on -one. We still have a private room. So I, I don't know if much changes there. What I think the biggest, the biggest difference um, for us is our positioning. Right. And so one of the big changes in that setting we made about six or eight months ago is, you know, in a private, private setting, the only people that are coming to you are the people that are either are scheduled to see you. Like we're not on a main street. We're in like a medical prep building. So we don't get like people walking in and out of, of the space. The biggest change that we made in the gym setting about a year ago, which has been a very big positive um, was I started to have an admin or my front desk person plant herself in the, big in the front of the facility, like where the entrance is and, and set up her front desk there. We could have set my front desk up next to me in the back and had it like a normal setting, but I actually didn't want that to happen. What I wanted was I mean, what, what's the difference between a gym and an office? There's footfall. There's people coming in and out. There's more chance for interaction. And so for a while, and you know, looking back, it was stupid. Um, I didn't even have a front desk person. And then what happens? Right. So for me, the best thing is I get busy with patients. Well, what happens when I get busy with patients? I go in a treatment room, I close the door and nobody else sees me because I'm in there with the patients. So in, 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 in our world, the, the, the positive and the negative is once you get busy seeing patients, you don't have time or the ability to do the other things. You continue to grow the practice, right? Cause you're in there treating patients. And so what I needed to be able to do where, um, well, I'll go back and tell you that how it happened. I was, I was in the beginning, like anything was very slow. I was out and I was interacting with people. I was sitting at the front. People were talking to me, engaging. That's how we started to build the following. Uh, then I got busy and I got pushed to the back and then I was with treat patients. Cool. The problem was I didn't have any ability to continue to do what I was doing before because I had to be in the room with patients. And so what we kept seeing was we would get busy and then we would get slow. And then I'd have time when I was slow to be out at the front and then we'd get busy again. It was this in this up and down over and over. There was one time where I sat at the front because I didn't have any patients scheduled and I got like three new patients, which in our world, we run a very low volume operation. Three new people is a lot of people and like within an hour, they just, I was there, they heard about me, it was convenient at the time, we had good conversations and they ended up becoming patients of ours. And that was a, uh, a lightning bolt moment or a light bulb moment rather. For me, I'm like, I need to recreate myself in the front here. 
that's when I brought in my admin, my front desk person. I was like, listen, I don't care what you do. Just sit up front here and make friends. And since that point, you know, we've really seen a positive growth in that practice where there are patients that, you know, maybe we were trying to get back on schedule. Maybe they were, um, they were, they, t- they saw us and they didn't have time. They're running in and out. And now, you know, when I'm not there, it's easy for them to just kind of just go and do the rest of their day and go on with life. But now that Lauren's sitting there, she goes, Hey, Diane, how are you? You know, I know we, we hit, Oh yeah, sorry. I've been meaning to call you and they like get back on schedule. So been able to just create that environment. So what I hope that I've done in that gym setting is more so utilize that footfall traffic and, and, you know, be more visible than you, than I can be in the other setting. Whereas in the medical setting, our biggest thing from a marketing standpoint is once we have a lead, you know, it's a lot of outgoing phone calls. Part of our strategy in the gym setting is just being there in the front is just being there and, and therefore people to have conversations with. I really like that. That got my wheels turning. Like, you know, I work in a commercial gym. We have about 14 trainers that, that are in our facility. And I think the old adage in, in commercial gym land is you, you patrol the fitness floor and you basically like hard pitch working with a trainer. Like that's, I think maybe it was like worked in 1997, but in 2019, like people just get pissed because they're trying to get on with their life and and train, but taking like even changing that environment, like you're saying, like to more of a commonplace, like if it's in the lobby and you're just like kind of, perusing in the lobby and just talking to people like you've got a better shot of catching them in a different environment that they are more receptive to versus like a focused environment of training, like on a gym floor. Um, that was a nice little nugget right there, doc. I think that that, again, going back to the conversation about us doing an event at a country club for our strategy. And again, it applies to you guys a hundred percent is going. It's one thing to just kind of mindlessly, go out and try to interact and make friends and do all that. And that's great. Like it's better than not doing anything, but what if we took a step back and started to say like, what, what am I trying to accomplish here? Like, what do I want to get out of the next two hours of that? Is it just to say, hi, how are you? Um, Is it to get a client? Is it to develop a relationship? You know, one of the things that we have as a metric now as one of our objectives is figuring out ways to have meaning, we call meaningful conversations. Like I, I don't care if you go to a networking meeting and hand your business card to 25 people. That's irrelevant. Like maybe a volume of sheer volume, something will happen. But what if we had, instead of just getting 25 people, what about if we had three to four really good conversations that I could come back to you, Casey, and tell you, listen, I met, you know, Diane, she, you know, had cancer four years ago. She's been afraid to exercise. Um, you know, she's really, she had a bad experience with a trainer, but she's somebody that, uh, sounds like if she can develop trust within our process, she might be a good fit for us. And, you know, I think maybe following up with her with a couple free videos on, on what to do and then having a system in place, um, to follow up with her over the next three months, she might become a client. You know, that's, that's might be a better strategy than just saying, Hey, Diane, here's my business card. If you ever need anything here, this, you know, which kind of to what you're saying is a lot of times we're just doing a sheer volume where we don't have a good idea or strategy behind, you know, why we're interacting with these people and what we're trying to get out of it. At the end of the day, first thing in any, in anything is people obviously have to like you. They have to be able to trust you. Um, And so probably in your setting, in my setting, 
the biggest thing is that has nothing to do with the thing, right? It has zero to do with me being a chiropractor, you being a trainer. Um, most people are going to work with you once you have a conversation and they trust you as a person. And then they're more likely to kind of ask what you do. There's the nugget. Those that are listening, there's been a few of them. Dr. Rabinowitz. <laughs> trying. We're trying. No, that's trying awesome. To together. You know, and this is like, I'll say this is like a bonus for thing. And this is something that I'm not, I don't have this. I'm going off the cuff right here, doc. This is, this is not on the little post-it note of, of, of things to talk about. Well, the whole thing for me is off the cuff because I don't have any of these questions. I never before. tell. That's it. It's always right. just going to be super real. Like one thing that I've always respected about you, and I remember like listening to you and Todd interacting on one of the strength track, uh, strength action podcasts, and it was something I like. I noticed very very quickly with Todd, and, and we talk about like mentors and like people who who almost provoke thought. Um, is like. And I think, and I don't know if this is like the right way to say it, but you're like a really deep thinker. Like if I was to ask you a very surface level question, you would be able to like digest that and like really like ask me a question back to find what I probably was really asking. Um, like how do, how have you like kind of, have you evolved into that level of thinking? Like, is that always something you thought you were always really good at? Like, is it a, a, a like, how have you kind of, maybe it is like as a, as a chiropractor, you have to ask those kind of questions like to help people like find their like true literal pain points. But well, what would be some strategies or, or how have you kind of evolved your level of, of thinking and then conceptualization of different like thought process? Because like listening to you and Todd talk, if you guys have ever listened to the, like the strength action podcast, go listen to Justin and, and Todd Bumgarner to have a conversation. Like it's like, you guys are like really, it's just very thought provoking and it's something that I've always respected of you and why I've always thought like our conversations on like the two podcasts we've done now, like it's, they're awesome. Like they're just good stuff. Like, what do you like? Are you mindful of it? Like what's that kind of process look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you saying that because it's something that um, I, I try to, I, I pride myself on, you know, I think it starts for me. I think it's always been something that I've been in. Like, it's kind of a natural thing for me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a think like I'm very introverted. Like I'm, I think a lot, which, you know, in other aspects isn't the best thing to be, um, you know, cause you can get in your own way sometimes for sure. But I think I try to pride myself on if I could, if I could make it one quality that I want to be, it is a very thoughtful person. And then um, from there taking that level and part of it is being interested in it and then really studying that so i listen I, I haven't turned my i had a, bought a car a year and a half ago i haven't used the radio other than when my wife is in the car like i've never used the radio i'm always listening to podcasts listening to to books listening to different things not because like truthfully not because i i want to like learn and grow it's just it's interesting to me and so part of it is is finding out and figuring out what is really interesting to you and then exploring that and taking that in whatever direction you want to, you know, you want to explore. So for me, um, as I started to learn more, and I was a psychology major in college, which truthfully, I didn't really learn much, but I mean, that the topic, I kind of did it because I was it's just kind of interesting. And now understanding that and understanding what motivates people and interactions with people. Now I'm just taking it and using it in different ways. So I think it's very easy 
you know, when people ask questions, a lot of times they ask a very surface level question, but as you ask more questions and break it down, a lot of times it, it might not be exactly, you know, what they're looking for. Like, you know, for us, a classic example is, you know, people ask, do we take their insurance, you know, for healthcare? It's the first question they ask. And if that would be like, and the equivalent is like you calling up a car dealership and saying, Hey, the first question before you even like looked at a car, whatever, like, Hey, do you take Amex? You know, most of the time people are going to do their research. They're going to want to trust the dealer. They're going to look up the car. They're going to want to have all these other answers there. And then at the end, they might want to talk a tactic, which is, do you do this or do you do that? What are we, what are they trying to do? They don't know what else to ask in that situation. Do you take my insurance? For the most part, they just want to know, can we help them? Right. But they don't know what else, they don't know where else to start. Right. We have so many people that when they call up and say, do you take their insurance? Do we take their insurance? And we end up getting in a good conversation. And then at the end of it, um, we might not even take their insurance. You would think that's the most important thing, but they still end up being patients of ours because that wasn't the most important thing. They really want to know, Hey, can you help? Are you going to listen to me? And do you care? So how did we get to that place of like, they're asking, do you take their insurance? A very transactional tactical question. And you're getting at the end of it is that they just want somebody that's going to listen because the last doctor they went to told them to rest for six weeks and that they should be able to go back and do CrossFit. And um, they're, every time that happens, they aren't able to go back. They don't have any answers. They want a little bit more conversation to understand how they should go about doing what they want to do. They want to know, can they even work out this hard? They want to know if the next 30 years are going to look like they look now. All these deeper level things that we, for the most part, unless we're getting to that point, people, they're not, they're not going to get to for themselves. And so, um, you know, like I said, something that's a huge, a huge and very important quality for me and, and what I always have with our staff is just to keep having them think of things a little bit differently, have a little bit better thought process around what they're doing. And so every now at our team meetings, the third bullet point, we go over core values, we go over a positive focus. And the third bullet point that I do every week is I bring something like this to them, something that I've been listening to, something to have them think a little bit different. Like, you know, we talked about individual scripts last week and something like, Hey, what's something that you think about that? Like, if you really thought like, why do I think that it's probably just because like, you know, your aunt Sally told you 15 years ago and it just stuck. Like, like renting a house is bad, like a basic one, you know, like renting is bad. It's like, you know, is it bad? Or is it that your aunt told you that 15 years ago on an offhand conversation? So now you think that it's bad, but if we actually looked at it and did research on it, like maybe it isn't so bad for you, but, but we don't really take the time to, to think about that type of stuff. And so for me, it's, it's kind of natural to be very introspective and to, you know, look at these things from a deeper level. Like I, you know, I look at even like your podcast and, and how you've been, you started it and why you're still doing it. My, you're doing it because you like, oh, why well, I do? Because I like it. But at the end of the day, you're probably just very, you're a very curious individual and you probably gain a lot from listening to other people speak. It's, it's helpful for you. This might be a form of learning and education for you selfishly. That is like, 100%. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. But it's like, why do a podcast? 
oh, because it's good for like my personal brand. Well, no, like fuck you, your personal brand. Like you'd find other ways to build your personal brand if you didn't want to be here. You know, we all have these things. And I think, again, just being aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it and then maybe why we're not doing other things is, is, is the best way to be, you know? Yeah, man, that was legit. That was a good answer. I've always, I just like want to ask you that. Like that was one of those things where I've just always had a lot of respect for how, uh, just how you go about breaking things down. Like, can I give you another good example? That'll be super, it'll be tactical, but not tactical. Um, uh, so like in our profession as chiropractors, what's the most, what is it most correlated with is adjusting manipulation patients. So we just hired a brand new doctor a couple weeks ago and we don't, you know, we are kind of non-traditional. We do rehab. We do all these different things with patients. And one of the inevitable conversations is like, oh, like, do you not believe in adjusting patients? Because every patient that we get adjusted. So one of my things is like, like, okay, that's a very service level question. I get to answer that. Oh yeah, we don't believe it or we do. And so for me, that's like, that's not, that has zero to do with what's going on. For me, it's a much higher level than that. It's not that we do or don't. I believe that it's a good strategy or tactic to use when people need it. But like for me, as if I'm being thoughtful about it, I don't want to be a person that just because I'm a chiropractor, that means every person gets adjusted. The example that I use is like, just because I'm a mechanic doesn't mean that every person who comes to my body shop has to get their tires changed. You know, my job is to solve is to help people come in and solve their problem. So if the one of the strategies to do that is to manipulate them and do adjustments, I'll do it. But if I need to do exercise with them, I want to do it. I don't want to become, a, I don't want to put myself in the thing because I am this, I have to do this. Because if I did that, that's what most people do. Because I'm a trainer, that means that everybody must deadlift. Well, maybe, but maybe not. But if you have to have that thought process around it, because I'm a physical therapist, every patient needs to exercise. Like, sure, but what about if they don't? What if that's not the best thing for them? And at the end of the day, like, I'm, I am, I am, you know, what is I don't care about manipulation. I don't care about re I don't care about any of those things. I'm not married to any of them. I'm hopefully married to getting people the best outcome they can get and getting them the best outcome may involve it. It may not like, I'm not going to be subscribed to like, because I'm this, I mean this. And I, and I, me and my friend have religious and political discussions. I think the exact same way, just because I'm this doesn't mean I have to believe this. I might believe that because I've thought about it, but just because like I've gone to this school or this, you know, religious community and they tell me I should believe this, like I might end up doing it after I've thought about it, but I'm not just going to do it because my mom told me, which she doesn't want. I'm not just going to do it because my religious teacher told me or because my third grade teacher told me or whatever. I, I never want to be in that position of like, why are you doing that? And my mom said to like, no, if it's a good thing to do. And I believe that it's the right way after I've given it some thought and had conversation around it, then I want to do it and I will do it. But I don't want to just do it because, again, it's an invisible script on any level. Yeah, because I said so is never a really good answer. You know, again, at some point, we all have to either make the, and, and I think the biggest thing as I see now is like, you know, eventually um, with my friends now that are being parents, like we're all just promoting this stuff to the next thing it's like you know why am i telling my kid to do this because my parents told me well why because their parents told them it's like 
yeah, well, we're going to church still because, because we said so. And at some level, you know, there's a, there's a level where hopefully as a parent, you have to have that. But again, my goal, if I had kids would be eventually for them to be able to make a good thoughtful decision on their own in whatever sense of the word, not just because dad said to do. It. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. And at some point I'll let you know, cause I got a kid and yeah. like and again, the free thinking individual that can actually ask questions and she'll be perceived I'm sure as an asshole, but she'll just be asking questions. <laughs> and maybe, maybe who knows, right? Like maybe, maybe not. Maybe she'll be someone that likes to fall in line a little bit more and, and you never know, right? You're going to do the best that you can with it. Um, but I, it's interesting because I almost feel like I can give more perspective on being a parent because I'm not one because I don't have any skin in the game right now. Yep. There's no emotion tied to it. And so like when I have it, like I'm going to be super, like everyone has an inherent bias and like I see it all the time and you know, like we're going to try to do what's best always, but there's such an emotional attachment to to it where I don't really have that. So I look at it a lot and can be just very like, by you know non-bias around it and sometimes that's actually the best way to be that's legit dr rabinowitz always delivering are you ready for the speed round i am we didn't do one last time right what's that we didn't do one last time no these i this came i don't remember who i did the speed round with first it might have been sue falsoni because i was just like so nervous to like talk to sue falsoni that i just was like all right i'm just gonna ask like really degenerate questions and hope that like she <laughs> finds this podcast funny. Um, she had, she was like, yeah, I have like five podcasts I'm doing like you're number two. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, and yeah, she's so no joke. I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'll try to be a little different. And I just like totally like asked her three things. And then there was like 10 minutes later. And then I was like, all right, well, we got a speed round. And I just went off on these like degenerate questions and she started like laughing and had a good time. And I was like, well, okay, like this is, I guess this will stick. Um, Okay, Doc, I'm going to start with the first thing because you're from New Jersey and I have an affinity for New Jersey. Um, why do the bagels taste so good? Uh, people say the water with the pizza and the bagels. I have no, I have zero idea. Um, it's the love, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's possible, but listen, it's actually funny about New Jersey. So my new doc started this week, moved here from Florida to take a job with us, which is big. Like he moved his, his fiance, the whole thing. And like, with I felt bad for him at one point because <laughs> every patient like oh yeah Ashton Dr Ashton just moved here from New Jersey to flop from Florida they're like why did you do that like welcome to the land of taxes what are you doing in New Jersey and I was like dude like and I actually had to have a discussion with them and it was a teaching point where I was like listen man like most of these people they could live in fucking paradise and they would find a problem with it so if you let them dictate where you're going to be happy or not like you're going to be in a bad, bad place. So I, I understand. Like I had to like have it because he moved here a week ago and he's got people like, why did you come from Florida, New Jersey? What are you doing? here?" Like, like, dude, like, like nothing, nothing like welcoming someone to the, to a great, to the great place of New Jersey. Like with that. Like, <laughs> oh, but like, the bagels are good. He should just say the, bagels, that. So good. the bagels are good, man. The bagels and the pizza. Just, just stick with that. Don't worry about the taxes. It's all That's good. it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, have you ever jokingly said oops during a treatment just to see the reaction? No. <laughs> but you thought about it. You had to think about it a little bit. <laughs> no, actually. Well, I mean, maybe I have. Just joking. I don't know. But um, one of the things I'm training Ashton to do is, you know, 99% of the time, no matter what someone comes in with, 
um, is to is to have be able to turn it into a positive. Like you know, for example, like in, you come in and you're like, I don't know what you did last week, but it really fucked me up. Like, oops. Or oh, last week we did instrument assisted soft tissue, and you seem to flare you up good well how is that good it's good because now we know that's not the best thing to do for you sometimes eliminating potential treatment options is the best thing because we get more we get more specific on what actually has to happen and so i train him to kind of do that type of stuff so you know i know you asked a little bit of a different question but that's something that we're very uh asked a super degenerate question like have you ever manipulated someone's neck and said "Ooh, like that's (laughs) no oh shit No, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I I hope that doesn't that doesn't happen. That's like the equivalent of like the personal trainer that like tells someone like this like stupid exercise just to see if they'll do it, and then you just like look at him. You're like, would you do anything that I told you? And they're like, yeah, I trust you, asshole. Like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah. You're like, ah, I'm just totally fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> it's like not the right thing to do. And like, if <laughs> nope. Sometimes not it's just funny. It's just funny. Okay. Would you rather be able to detect any lie or get away with any lie you tell? Detect, detect any lie. I think it fits more to my profile. It's very valid. That was my answer as well. My wife and I were having a lot of fun with these would you rathers beforehand. So I figured, uh, I figured this would be a good place to finish off the podcast. Um, like Bumgarner in the beginning was something with like, would you rather have, I can't remember, permanent Cheeto figures or permanent bad, I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's something like that. I can't, yeah. you've had, you had Cheeto fingers. You're, the Cheetos like break, man. Those are like puffy little things. Like you grab something and your fingers would just break off. Like you don't want that. Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think my explanation was one was uh, Cheeto fingers would be more an external problem because you would always be like ruining things or I think something was like bad breath where like hopefully you can control it a little more. I, I don't know. I don't remember what the question was, but it was outrageous. Would you rather have taste buds or be color? Or sorry, would you rather have no taste buds or be colorblind? No taste buds. Be colorblind. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's a lot of people that I, I mean, wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but um, they seem to do okay. You know, being without, Yeah, I mean, you can be okay. Well, like, would you rather not be able to taste the world, or would you rather not be able to see the world in color? not be able to see the world in color pretty deep yeah Uh, yeah i'd rather taste the world yeah for sure um this was this was a fun one um would you rather age from the neck up or from the neck down only that's a good one um the only qualifier i would have is is it external aging or internal i have no idea because my thing would be uh, from an internal standpoint like i'd rather have my brain be good you know, if I had to choose between my brain and my body, um, but if it's an external thing, would I rather have like a really good body and everything work the way it's supposed to? But if it's just a looks thing, um, probably my head and face be okay. Yeah, I'm going straight. neck up on both. Neck up. I mean, on listen, both. listen, I'm not in terrible shape, but I'm not like nine pack abs, so it's not, it's not, it's not great anyway. Like, like whatever. You know, I'm not going to the beach, and people probably aren't going to be turning their heads really quickly, so. Um, I've been the fat kid before, so I can deal with that. It's okay. All right. This is, this was a good one. Would you rather always feel like you're about to sneeze, but can't, or would you, uh, would you rather have the hiccups for the rest of your life? Hiccups for the rest of my life. 
Imagine what your face would look like if you had to, if you thought you were going to sneeze for the rest of your life. People would literally walk around and they would look absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that would be really, that would be bad, really bad. And, and that was like, that was a pretty easy one. But then it was one of those where like the hiccups, man, like that could be super, like imagine trying to sleep if you always have the hiccups. It would, I mean, neither one would be a, a walk in the park. That's for shit sure. Uh, maybe you just, I figure, so I went sneeze, but I figured because you'd probably become like desensitized to like that feeling over time. And like, like maybe you'd be able to like same thing about. Can you say the same thing about hiccups? Like eventually just be like, and maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But like, the, I feel like you can have like pretty intense hiccups, like to the point where maybe you like almost throw up or you can have like, like soft little hiccups. I don't know. I don't know. The thing with these questions, the beauty of these questions is the nuance within them, which you have to create yourself. Yeah. Like, could you become desensitized to a hiccup? Like, what if you had Cheeto fingers, but you could wear a glove? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I think the Cheeto finger question is like haunted you. Like, I think you still think about it. Um, I, but it's the only, for whatever reason, it, it's created an imagery in my head because I can't, he asked one about like being able to fly anywhere. I can't remember, but the Cheeto fingers, like I remember distinct, I think he said something about having taste, taste buds, buds in your butt. It was Cheeto fingers or taste buds Cheeto. in your butt. Yeah. And then I, I would still stand the taste buds in your butt because like, again, that's like an internal thing. No one really would have to know. You would just learn to eat really well. There's, I, I, hope, I don't know if I mentioned on there, there's a, there's a Howard Stern bit where he, one of his writers, Richard Christie, did a beer tasting through his butt. Oh. And he was able to distinguish the five different beers. I think four out of five. Like he did like a really good job. And he's like, oh, that's like Guinness. That's like whatever. And they poured it in his butt. So I think that already happens. No one uses it though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, only on Howard Stern, man. Dude's a pioneer. Yeah. I just actually, I'm going to, today I'm going to read, I just got his new book with all his interviews in it, which is talking about personal psychology and talking to interesting people. There's a, I've been reading it already. A lot of really interesting stories. It's basically a, a review of all the interviews he's done over the years. So it's, it is pretty interesting stuff. That guy is, he's probably a genius, but he is a genius for sure. Super neurotic and all that yeah. stuff, but definitely he's, he's evolved so much over the years, which is kind of the, the thing where you know it used to be like no one would want to come on because he would ask ridiculous questions and now he a lot of times gets the best interviews from celebrities because it's long it's kind of like it's almost like it's a he almost was like kind of the the benefit of like a being on a podcast he had that with Sirius before podcasting was a thing because what's the problem you know with network tv it's like you go on fox 5 and they ask you like 12 questions in a minute and they go to commercial and you don't really get anything out of it. Where when like podcasting and Rogan became popular is so he could have these people down and just chill with them for three hours. And when Howard went to Sirius had no commercials and like he could go and sit down with whatever, Jessica, Justin Timberlake making an example of, and he could talk about his childhood and if he doesn't want to go to commercial, he doesn't have to, and he can get into whatever he wants to get into. So it's funny because he this is totally a tangent. He still doesn't believe in podcast. I, I don't know. And he always talk about how well podcasting was such bullshit because basically anyone could have one. But I actually believe that he's the one that was the person as a long form interview of what podcasting has been so successful at. I think he's the person that started that by him going to Sirius Satellite. It's super similar. Sirius XM is it's just a platform. Like it's just like saying you have a podcast on Spotify. Like you just have like a radio show on serious there's like minimal ads or whatever it might be like it's just the same idea yes exactly yeah 
He's Joe Rogan before Joe Rogan. 100%. Yes, he was. Yes, 100%. And now Joe Rogan just dominates. The dude Rogan, just dominates. Ferris, yeah. And uh, I had, a, I had a, a relationship breakthrough the other day. I was listening to Laird Hamilton, Joe Rogan podcast, and my wife was actually, like, listening. And she's like, oh, this is interesting. and Because, like, she's not into that stuff, and it's good. Like, probably why we get along, because I'm very one. She just kind of, like, does her thing. But the fact that, like, we'll have to compromise in the car when we travel. Like, all right, music for an hour, podcast for an hour. Because she, you know, we very different in that way, which relationally is probably a good thing. But she was listening to this podcast. She's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm like, mm, all right, maybe we're onto something here. This is good. Uh, I'm yet to get a full acquired taste for Joe Rogan. They're just too long for my short-term little brain. Mm. But, like, I've been experiencing them in, like, 15-minute chunks. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, he um, – I think he – He's actually, he's talked shit about chiropractors in the past. So a lot of like my chiro friends don't like him. Um, but I, he just seems like he's a guy, like a true, like Renaissance man. He knows shit about everything, like fighting world war two, like, you know, technology. I mean, he like knows about, he knows something about everything and, and, and more than something very, very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Rabinowitz, that's the podcast, man. Thanks for, thanks for making time on a Sunday morning. Yeah, perfect. No, it's a good holiday weekend, but it's a good chance to, uh, to get on. And, and I always enjoy this. It's a good experience for me because I learn a lot by having to speak about it. Because, I, you know, when, you, when it's in your head, which you do, I do a lot of thinking. It's one thing, but when I verbalize it, it kind of gives me a good metric on where I am and, and I think where my level of understanding might be. Yeah. So this is a really good opportunity for me to, you know, talk through some stuff and like, Oh, well maybe I need to study that a little more. Cause I don't know if I explained it as well as I could, or no, I really understand this. And I thought I gave a pretty good explanation around it. So it's actually selfishly helpful for me too. So I appreciate you. Hey, well, you have an open invitation anytime you want to come on the pod. So that'll just extend that invitation anytime. Perfect. I appreciate it, man. Hi, everyone. It's Casey again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I wanted to ask you a huge favor. I don't ask for a lot of favors, but if you could, whatever you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, if you could take a minute and just go write a review, I would really appreciate it. I don't get any bonus points or anything like that for it, but I really think it would help get the word out. And if this podcast has helped you, it might help someone else, and it'll do a better job of getting that word out to who might need it.